illustrated this point. He said his mother-in-law got him two sweaters for Christmas. And his wife said, hey, my mom's coming over for dinner. He goes, oh, great. Okay, so he went and he goes and he gets one of the sweaters out. He puts it on. He's sitting there once. She walks in the door. She walks in and she said, what? You didn't like the other one? <laughs> so <clears throat> you, you know what I'm talking about? You've been there, right? You've seen it. Oh, you don't understand. Well, good for you. Uh, some do, some don't. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 31. It's the only way I'm going to out of trouble. Proverbs chapter 31. Since we've, been going through, since we've been going through the book of Proverbs, it's only fitting that we continue to look at Proverbs, and we'll look at it from the standpoint of, for lack of a better way to put it, we'll call it the problem of marriage. Uh, we'll, we'll call it uh, several things as we look at it. But in Proverbs chapter 31, starting with verse 10, Solomon asks a question that many of us can identify with, and he says this, An excellent wife, who can find one? I like that. Proverbs 31.10. We're not going to stop there. I, I like that. For, I, I mean, geez, I, I like that just as an opening question. It says, you know what? I mean, basically what he's saying is, you know, who can find a good woman? Now, Solomon, you've got to understand, knows, the, you know, he knows what he's talking about. He's asking a question that he has asked of himself many, many times. In uh, 1 Kings, God warned Solomon about three things. He said, look, Solomon, he called him Solly, you know, because he's God. He can call him whatever he wanted. He wasn't hung up on the king thing. He just said, hey, Solly, listen to me. If, if you, if you want to be a successful king, there's three things you've got to stay away from. He said, the first thing is you can't multiply horses, which is armament or power. He said, because if you do, what you'll begin to do is you'll put your trust in this power that you've amassed. So the second thing is, hey, you know what? Don't ever get too hung up on all the stuff that you have. All the material things, because what will happen is if you start concentrating on all the goodies that you have, you'll forget about me, and you'll forget that I'm really the source of all of that. But then he had a third warning that he threw out to Solomon, and one that Solomon did not heed, nor did he heed the other ones. And he said, you know what? Whatever you do, be careful with women. Don't multiply women. Don't have too many women. Because a woman can turn your heart away from the things of God. And in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 8, he, he, that's exactly what happened in the life of Solomon. There are many women, and what Solomon was saying is, you know what, he said this basically, hey, man, I, I have experienced this, I have lived through this, and I can tell you what God says is true, that women can lead a man away from God. They have a tremendous, you have a tremendous, ladies talking to you, you have a tremendous amount of influence, and the influence could be one that could do good, or it could be one that could be very harmful to men. And you need to understand that. And some of you do, and we'll talk about you in a minute. Some of you understand that power and that manipulation and that skill and abilities that you have to lead a man any direction that you want. And I've seen men, I mean, it was amazing working with professional athletes, you know, working with the Rams, working with other football teams. Man, I've seen guys, you know, 6'8", 290, 315 pounds being led around by, like, man, like they were, you know, like wet noodles, man, by just this little pretty thing. And, uh, you know, in all kind of different directions. And, uh, and it's just, it's the funniest thing in the world to see that, right? I mean, you just see this big old guy going. <laughs> and the problem is she's not most of the time direct them like this. Yeah. Well, you figure it out. But, uh, you know, she, she's pulling them around. You know what I mean? And, uh, and that's oftentimes what happens. And God warns us about this. And we need to understand how true this really is. So anyway, here's Solomon. He goes, man, you know what? I've lived this. I know exactly the dangers that's involved here. And I'm going to share with you and I'm going to ask you a question. Who can find a good woman? 
Every single guy in the world will say the same thing. And the good thing is every single woman says the same thing. Who can find a good guy? You know, there's just not that many good guys out there. Well, guess what? There's, there's really not that many good women. When you look at how God defines what a good woman is. See, we all think that we're good. It's all relative, right? I'm good because I'm better than you. Or you're good because you're better than me. And we're all better than one another. So based on our own standard, we're good. But that's not the standard we go by. We've got to take a look at what God has to say is the standard for a good woman. So... Single guys, you ask yourself the question, how can I find a good woman? If you're married already, how, you've got to ask this question, do I have a good woman? Amen. Well, oh, good. Yeah, you know, I, and I don't expect much audience participation from the guys today. <laughs> you're kind of like sitting there going, hey, preach it, brother, but you're saying it to yourself. And, and I, I know how that works, so I'm, I'm up here, I'm fighting for you, guy, and, and I just want to let you know that we all know what you're thinking, and so does your wife and the gal that's with you. But... Um, but the reality of it all is, you know, you've got to ask yourself the question. And what's more important is, you know, if you're a woman, you've got to ask this. Am I really a good woman? That's really the question. And so there's something in here for all of us, and we need to recognize that and understand it. You've got to ask yourself the question. And really, I want to direct most of this discussion to women this morning. And uh, so, you know, don't think this is, you know, just some guy talking to women about stuff that we all hope that you'd be. But this is God telling you what he defines as a good woman. And so let's not make it a personal thing. So in Proverbs 31, he goes through and he begins to explain to us uh, what a good woman is. But before we look at that, it's interesting because you've got to understand that Proverbs 31 is a poem. And uh, verses 10 through 31, it's uh, Hebrew poetry. And what's interesting about Hebrew poetry is that it doesn't rhyme. And so, you know, men, we all got a chance at becoming Hebrew poets. Um, you know, it doesn't rhyme. It's just kind of like it's there. And uh, w the way it's broken out, basically, it's an acrostic, which means very simply three things. It was used for three purposes. Number one, if you look at it, uh, verses 10 through 31, as you go down through it, you'll see that it's artistic. And basically, it's the same idea that's, that's conveyed in Psalm 119 that talks about the Word of God. It's artistic. It shows the beauty of this particular woman which is, which is kind of neat. This woman is beautiful in the sight of God, and there's poetry that's used to convey her beauty, and it's artistic in nature. Just like Psalm 119 is the beauty of the Word of God, so, uh, Proverbs 31 is the beauty of this particular woman. The second thing it'll do is it'll, it'll be an aid to help you memorize. You know, it's kind of like it, it's a trick that was used to help memorize the, so that you would understand the importance of the qualities that are laid out here as far as what a good woman really is. And then the last thing is it involves a Hebrew alphabet. And in the Hebrew alphabet, there's only 22 letters. And so basically, we would say in English, what, what Solomon has done is he's taken the letter A and he's going, gone through the letter Z. And he has written about this particular woman of which he knows what he talks about because there was only one woman of the thousands of women that Solomon had that he really loved with all of his heart. And he wrote a book about her in Song of Solomon, which was inspired by the Spirit of God. And it explained in detail this love that he had for this one woman and it's interesting, all the women that, that he had, there was only one that he really loved with all of his heart. There was one, and it, and it demonstrates to me that God has made men and women to be monogamous. That there's only one person that could ever capture our heart truly as God designed it to be captured. And Solomon understood that, now he explains it. So he goes through Proverbs 31, and now for these, these uh, 22 verses in the Hebrew alphabet, he's taken, and every letter, it's like he starts with A. And he goes through and he explains what he thinks about her. B, C, D. And he writes this poem that doesn't rhyme, but it makes a lot of sense as to how he conveys what she really is. But in order to understand what you need to be as a woman, you need to understand what you should not be. 
in the whole book of Proverbs, and it's not a coincidence as far as I'm concerned, that the book ends with this particular description. Because throughout the book of Proverbs, Solomon has warned young men about certain types of women. And he's saying there's three kinds of women that I want you to be careful and stay away from because I'll guarantee you if you get hooked up with any one of these, you're going to have nothing but trouble in your life. And so what God does in the Proverbs is a book of contrast. So what he's done is said, look, if you want to really understand what kind of woman God demands that you become or men, what kind of woman is a good woman to get, to get involved with and to uh, you know, maybe marry and spend the rest of your life with, God's saying, look, to understand that, I need to show you three kind of women that you don't want to take home to mom. You got it? Three kind of women that you need to stay away from. You stay away from them, you'll be able to identify the one that's good for you. And the first, the first one that he talks about is um, the immoral woman. So I guess in some ways we're going to talk about sex again. But, uh, you know, but it's in a way that will help us to identify the kind of woman that God expects his children to be. It's the kind, you know what's interesting for me as a father and having two girls? It's the kind of woman that, that I would desire my daughters to be. See, when I look at Proverbs 31, I look at them and say, you know what, if, if I could sit down and, and talk to my daughters about what kind of women I would like to see them become, that's it right there. But I'll guarantee you that the three women that I'm going to show you right now are three kinds of women that I, I hope and pray that my daughters never become. Because the first one is an immoral woman, and it has to do with moral integrity. The issue is moral integrity. See, this woman, as we've seen throughout the book of Proverbs, she has none. She has no standards. She has no value system. She doesn't understand what morality is all about. She doesn't understand the, the sanctity of her body and what God has created and, and how special it is for the man that God has intended for her uh, somewhere in her life to enjoy the, the creation of God. She doesn't understand any of that. She's an immoral woman, you know, and, and uh, she's not committed to God. She's not committed to the ways of God. And the danger is, as we've seen all throughout the book of Proverbs, is that she doesn't necessarily look like she's a cheap type person. She's the kind of gal that may be sitting in church all dressed up and looking good on the outside. But see, immorality, integrity is something of the heart. And God's saying, who can find this excellent woman? And he's talking about who can find a woman of integrity or character. It's not how she looks on the outside necessarily, but it's what's going on in her heart and in her thought life. He's saying that, you know what? Hey, listen, men, if you're looking for a good woman, stay away from this woman because she's nothing to trouble. You know, and the sad thing, and I don't, and I don't agree with this at all, but I'm just going to tell you, uh, as a matter of fact, what I have seen in my life and experience uh, in the mentality of men that I've been around, and particularly in, in athletics and things of that nature, there's always a certain type of woman that guys say, that's the kind you date, but that's not the kind you marry. See, and there's a double standard there. I'm not saying I agree with that because what they're saying is wrong. I know what they're saying, and I know what they imply with that. And I've had a guy who, you know, when he, he came to know the Lord, he changed his ways and God changed his heart and he started to do things that were right before God and he was involved with a gal who was just that kind of woman. And uh, he recently, and we, did his, we were able um, to be involved in doing his wedding, and uh, one of the conversations that we had, he said, Chuck, you know what? When I was with so-and-so, I never in my life would have wanted her to be the mother of my children. She was fun to have around. She was fun to take the parties. She was fun to be with but she's not the kind of woman that I wanted to marry, settle down with, and have raise my kids. Isn't that interesting? Because what he's saying was true. And it's sad, because there are many women out there who are giving up that which is precious in the sight of God to try to entertain or captivate or capture a man. And the man looks at that and says, hey, you're fun to be with, babe, but 
but that's as far as this is going to go. Because I'm looking for what? A good woman. I'm looking for an excellent woman. I'm looking for a woman of integrity. I'm looking for a woman I don't have to worry about if she's going to be fooling around with my buddies or not. That's the kind of woman I'm looking for. Isn't that sad? But it's true. God says, the immoral woman. She's described in Proverbs in many different ways. We don't have time to go into just a few of them. Proverbs 2, 16 and 17. He said, this instruction is to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters her with words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. See, moral integrity is rooted in a commitment to God and a commitment to his ways and a, and a commitment if you're married to your spouse. And he's saying that, you know what? Hey, lady, don't be an immoral woman. He goes on and says it in many ways. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done nothing wrong. She has sex anytime she wants, whenever she wants. She has sex with somebody that, sh that she's with because she, quote, loves him or whatever. And then she says before God, but I'm not doing anything wrong. He says, yes, you are. You're violating, violating the standards of sanctity. God says all sex outside of heterosexual marriage is wrong. So you've got to ask yourself the question. You think you're a good woman, but the question really comes back to this. If you're a single woman and you're having sex with a boyfriend or you're having sex outside of marriage, the Bible says you're an immoral woman, no matter how good you think you are. That's difficult stuff to deal with, isn't it? If you're a married woman who's having sex with somebody other than your spouse, God says no matter how good you think you are because you're doing this to meet a need and you're still trying to keep your family together and oh, what a good person you are. No, he says you're not. You're an immoral woman and you're wrong before God. You're wrong before your spouse. This is difficult stuff. But there are many women who are trapped in marriages with an insensitive husband who fantasizes about being with somebody else. God says, guess what? That's immorality. That's immoral. Those are bad thoughts. Those are wrong. That's wrong. Don't even do it. And you look at that and say, man, is there any hope for it? And absolutely there is. John chapter 8, Jesus said to the woman who was committed, uh, caught committing adultery, hey, you know what? Go and sin no more. It's time to repent and get right with God, to confess what you're doing is wrong and stop doing it because you want to meet the standards that God has laid out for excellence for your life. And you say, you know what? I don't want to be an immoral any, a woman anymore. I don't want to do what's not pleasing to God because it's not right. I want to be the excellent woman. I don't know what that is yet, but I know if I'm immoral that I know that I'm not that. And so we look at it, and you've got to ask yourself the question, ladies, are you committed to God and His Word? Are you committed to moral purity? If you're single, are you committed to celibacy and waiting until you're married? Those are tough questions that you've got to ask yourself because really that's what it's all about. If you're not, God says you're an immoral woman. That's all. Not me, not anybody else. It's not our call. God says you are. And He says just stop doing it. And He's gracious if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've got a wonderful God who is full of second chances. And he says to you today, stop doing what you're doing if it's wrong before God. Number two, there's a second type of woman. Some of you are going like this. Oh, man, this is good. That's not me. And I am just, that's not me. That's not me at all. Don't worry. Yeah, feeling a little left out right now? Well, I think this one is something you're going to identify with. He says, also, ladies... Don't be a contentious woman. Don't be a contentious woman. How many guys know what a contentious woman is? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. All the rest of you are going, same thing again. Inside your heart, you're saying, amen, preacher, brother. I know what one is. I know what a contentious woman is. What it's talking about here is dealing with a woman who is emotionally irritating. All right? That's as nice as I can put it. She's emotionally irritating. The thing is, you've got to ask yourself, are you a contentious woman? You say, I'm not sure. Can you help me understand better? Oh, okay. I'm glad that you asked. Let's take a look at a couple of verses. Proverbs 
A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. Continual dripping. Okay, just kind of on the, continual dripping. All right, we got that one. Proverbs 21.9. It is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop. It's better to live up in an attic in the corner, in the dark, in the hot, in the 180 degrees, in the summertime. It's better to be there than down in the house in the air conditioning system with a contentious woman. Oh, okay, it's a little bit exaggerated, but not much. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and, you know, we're starting to get the drift here. All right, let's see. What else we got? Proverbs 25, 24. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Proverbs 21, 19. I'm sorry. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. And all the guys in the world say, Amen. 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 Oh, yeah. All right. Proverbs 27, 15. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. All right, all right, all right. The survey says, does anybody, has anybody ever lived through one of those? Huh? Oh, you guys are great. You know, there's guys, their ears are all... It's like Charlie Brown's teacher. You know, you've seen that. You've been there. It's like your pants are fitting a little better because you don't have any butt to hold up your pants anymore. It's like... You know? You've been there. We've all been. we seen it. Have you ever seen someone doing that to their husband? He's like, oh, my goodness. We've seen that. We've been there. You've been there. You've done it. I know you have. Now, the problem is, God's saying, hey, you're like going, oh, a moral thing. I got that down. That's all right. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not struggling with that. But is this really, is this in the Bible here? Where's this guy? It's right there. Read him and see it yourself. Every guy in the world knows, hey, you know what? It's like, if, you know, if you're married to Charlie Brown's teacher, you know what you ought to do sometimes? Just to make a point, and this doesn't go over real good if she's doing this to you at the time, but you just go like this. You get kind of, oh, how am I going to do this? Oh, here's how you do it. Well, you, wah, 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 Just look at her and kind of go, wah, wah, wah. You know, not a good time to do it if that's what's going on. But we've all been there. Maybe this story will help illustrate it. Okay. Hey, Larry, I'm glad we had a ceasefire today, huh? You must be negotiating the Bosnian thing, huh? <laughs> you know, attorney, a man of integrity. Hey, no jokes here. I'm no, I'm just gonna. Anyway, here's the deal. Three people die at the same time. They all appear before the heavenly gates, before St. Peter. And uh, St. Peter says, hey, look, before I can let you in, I just got a question to ask you. So the first one's a lawyer. And he says to the lawyer, spell God. Lawyer goes, G-O-D. Peter says, that's great. You can go head in. The second one comes up to him, and the uh, second one's an oil man from Texas, and he says, boy, I'd sure like to enter. He goes, well, just spell God. And, uh, you know, for a Texan, that could be a tough question. Uh, God, God, let's see, God. No, uh, G-O-D, hey, go ahead in, you may enter. The third one is this attractive stockbroker woman from New York. And Peter says, hey, uh, she goes, hey, I'd sure like to go in. He says, well, look, I just have one question to ask. And she goes, one question to ask? See, that's the whole problem with this world, man. It's been sprung by guys. I always have a question to ask. My whole life, I've lived my life subjected to men. Every place I've gone, I've been paid less money. I've done more work. I've done all these things. And all I can tell you is that I'm sick and tired of men telling me what to do. And here you are. You're telling me to get into heaven. I've got to answer to you, and you're going to ask me a question? He says, but it's just a simple question. She goes, well, what is it? He said, spell Czechoslovakia. Maybe that'll help you understand. I don't know. 
I was at the baseball field yesterday. Here's a good baseball joke that's going around. It appears that President Clinton and the First Lady Hillary were at a baseball game. They're going to throw out the first pitch. And uh, President Clinton was asked to do this. And uh, so the PA assistant goes, Mr. President, you may throw out the first pitch. And uh, for some unknown reason, he grabs Hillary and he throws her out onto the field. She bounces on the ground. And, and the PA system go, guy goes, in, no, I'm sorry, Mr. President, I said first pitch. <laughs> well, you know, whatever helps, you know what I mean? Whatever helps, understand these principles. Oh, you know, well, okay. Number three, all right, number three. All right, here's a, lo here's a lovely woman without discretion. And this involves, uh, the indiscretion of God's talking about involves a spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment. Proverbs 11:22. This is a good one. You'll like this one too, ladies. A ring of gold in a pig's snout is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. A ring of gold in a pig's nose. The whole point is that this doesn't go together, you know what I mean? A ring of gold in a pig's nose. This does not go together. So as we look at this, what God is saying is three things, right? Listen, ladies. Don't, it's like the romper room. We'll do a romper room thing. Don't be immoral. Be pure before your husband. Have pure thoughts. Be committed to God. Be committed to his ways. Be committed to your husband. And if you're single, be committed to abstinence until you get married. Number two, don't be contentious. Don't be argumentative. I mean, the best way that I can put it is just let it go. There's, there's, there's a tendency in the heart of a woman to just continually beat that dead horse until, until it's resurrected, and then you kill it again. <laughs> Let it go. All right? And then a lovely woman without discretion. It has to do with spiritual integrity. And what God's saying is, stop worrying about what you look like and worry about who you are. You hear what I'm saying? Stop worrying about what you look like and worry about who you are. Stop worrying about the external and start to develop the inner person, the character, the quality, the spirit that is pleasing to God. Now we're ready for Proverbs 31. And we'll go through it. And I don't mean to rush through it. You'll be glad, ladies, I guarantee you, that you'll be like, hurry up. we got to go somewhere. But, uh, but now you understand, okay? That's kind of the don't be. Don't be immoral. Don't be contentious. And don't be a woman without discretion. But do be, okay? Here we go. Do be, number one, faithful. To your husband. Proverbs 31. Let's look at it. Verses 11 and 12. We'll just go down through it. Do be, do be faithful to your husband. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Be an asset to your husband. That's the kind of woman that men are looking for. Hey, are you for me or are you against me? Are you on the same team here? Or are you going in your own direction? Let's work this thing out together. Do be faithful to your husband. And not just occasionally. You see what he says? All the days of her life. She's an asset to him. She blesses him. She encourages him. She's consistent all the days of her life. She's dedicated. She's dependable. If you want to start with A, always. She's always there. You always can count on her. She's always in your corner. She's never doing anything to usurp your position or authority in your household, but she's there for you. Solomon says, that's the kind of woman that a man is looking for. That's the kind of woman that honors and pleases God. Number two, she's also diligent in the way that she works. 
Proverbs 31, 13 through 19. I love this. It says, she looks for wool and flax and works with hands in delight. She is like a merchant. She's like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good and her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. This lady is industrious. And the best way to put it is she's diligent in the way that she works. She's not sitting home eating ho-hos and watching soap operas. I mean, see, not, not that she can't be home. Listen, what I'm saying. not that she can't be home, but whatever she does, she works. And it's interesting to me that God, does, God places a high priority on diligence. You know, these same qualities are the same for men, too. Men, be faithful to your wife. Be diligent in what you do. Don't be lazy. Be industrious. Be studious. Work hard. God doesn't bless laziness. We talked about that. But what he's saying for a woman, hey, you know what? Hey, don't be afraid to work hard. It's honoring and pleasing to God. And, uh, you're, you know, and you're an asset when you do that. I like the ways that, that, she, that she's an asset to her husband. She, look at it in verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. And from her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She, you know, she, she's a discerning as far as investments are concerned. She understands what a return on investment is. And men, listen to me. If you're married, the greatest asset that you have is the discernment that God has given to your wife. I've talked to more men have gotten involved in vis- business deals and investments that their wives told them, please, I don't feel good about this. Don't do it. Oh, what do you know about business? I'm a businessman. I'm a man. Ba ba da ba da. And I think that, who is it, the quote that was there? You know, her guess is better than our calculation. Her discernment is better than everything that we pencil out. And I have just seen time and time again where men have not listened to their wives and the discernment that God has given them and ended up in nothing but trouble. And the hardest thing at that point for the woman to do is not to say anything. Isn't that true? But they got that look. They can look and you know what they're thinking. And you know what they would say. And you just go, okay, just say it. I'm saying anything. Don't have to, you know, and you want them to so that you can somehow or another detract the attention from your stupidity and not listen to her so you can tell her she's contentious, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't work. And so God's saying, hey, that, you know, that's the way it is. I like this. Well, here's, I like this one, too. I, I went to a financial series once, and this helped me remember it, but, but basically the bottom line, men, always understand this, that your woman, your woman isn't a pain in your asset. She's not a liability. She's the greatest gift that God's ever given you. It's a financial thing. Some of you don't understand those things. I like this one, though. Check this one out. She rises also while it is still night and makes breakfast for her household. <laughs> hey, 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 you can't... Look, look, ladies, look, I've got to be fair. I can't skip over stuff like that. If it's there, there it is. It's right there. All right, move on, she says. Okay. Number three, she's compassionate toward those who are in need. Look at Proverbs 31.20. I love this. She extends her hand to the poor. She stretches out her hands to the needy. Ladies, not only is your primary responsibility your husband and your children, but God also honors and blesses those who reach beyond that nuclear circle. They go beyond just ministering to your husband and your kids, but reach out and minister to those outside of your own family who have need in their life. She's a compassionate woman. She's there to meet the needs of other people. God bless this woman. Man, this is exactly what every guy's looking for. Exactly. Number four, she's kind in her speech. See how it's the opposite of being contentious? She's kind in her speech. Proverbs 31, 26 says, She opens her mouth in wisdom, 
and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. The law of kindness. She's dictated by the law of kindness. She never says anything that's critical or harsh or hurtful to somebody else. She's a woman that is motivated and dedicated to being an encouragement to the people around her. And you've got to ask yourself the question, ladies, is this me? Is this really me? Can the people that I come in contact with say, man, I'm a blessing to be in their life. I'm there to encourage them, and I'm kind. I'm not critical. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't rip people apart. I'm not contentious. I mean, that's, that's my life. She's motivated by the law of God that says to be kind to you to one another. What a wonderful woman. Man, that's exactly the kind of woman that every guy's looking for. Someone who will say kind words and build him up when he gets, goes through it throughout the day. It's kind of like we all know, like Norm Montier said, man, it's a dog-eat-dog world and we're all wearing milk-bone underwear. You know, I know how that is, you know, and that's just the way it is, you know. But we all need to be encouraged, and we need to understand how important that is. We need to encourage one another. Number five, she also has discernment. Proverbs 31, 16. Look at verse 16, 18. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out. Verse 18. Uh, verse uh, 16, she considers a field, buys it from her earnings, she plants a vineyard, she's understanding, she's discerning, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, for her household are clothed with scarlet. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. She's a woman of discernment, she's not just looking at today and the pleasures of today, but she's discerning what's going to be good for her household over the long range in the future. Every mom needs this gift of discernment when they're dealing with their children. Hey, what's going to be the best for my son and my daughter 20 years from now? See, a good woman, an excellent woman, is thinking 20 years into the future. What she does today has an impact on that. Men and women, we need to understand that what we do, what we say today, the impact that we have on the lives of people is an investment in the future. We're not going to see immediate returns. It may not be a year or two or 10 or 20 or 30 years before we see a return on the investment we make in the lives of people around us. We need to stop thinking today only and start thinking long term. She's discerning. She understands that. Pro, uh, number six. We only got one more to go. Number six. She's careful about her appearance. She's not worried about spending a lot of money and going shopping and buying the finest stuff and having all the best things and all that kind of stuff. No, she's a woman that understands that she can make anything that she has look good because of who she is in the clothes. See, it's not the clothes that make the woman. It's not the clothes that make the man. But it's the man or woman and the spirit and the integrity of their heart that complements and makes those clothes what they really are. See, because we've seen people dressed up. We've seen people that look good on the outside, but they're filthy, dirty within. And it doesn't take long before they demonstrate that in their life. Hey, you know what? Look good. Dress up. Clean up. You got to wash, wash. Use some perfume, some deodorant, shave, you know, all that kind of stuff. Do that stuff. You know, it really helps. We need to be people of integrity. We need to care about the appearance that we give to the world around us. But we're not so hung up on just appearance only. We're not worried about spending a whole bunch of money on expensive surgery and all the rest that the world gets hung up on. We do the best with what God has to give us, and we filter it through being faithful and a good steward of the funds and resources that God's given us. We don't need to be hung up on all the external things because God says that we need to develop the character of our heart, the integrity of who we are. I'll tell you what, all the guys that guy, gals that guys want to date are usually all the best-looking women that you've ever seen. And these guys go out and they just pray that they don't open their mouth when they're out in public. They're like some of the ditziest, dumbest, ding-baddest people that I've ever met are the ornaments that guys walk around and adorn themselves with just to look good in front of other people. But man, you know what? When a woman has quality and character and integrity, you're not ashamed to take her anywhere. And it doesn't really matter what she looks like because when she sits down, she can captivate an audience by the things that she says. 
by the kindness of her heart, by the compassion to meet needs. Isn't that really what the world's looking for? Man, I'll tell you what, lady, is that you? Number seven, and the only way it's possible, you're saying, this is impossible. And you know what? You are absolutely right. You say, no one meets this description. And I'd say, you know what? I disagree with you because I've met many godly women that you could go down through and that meet this description to a letter. She's dedicated to the Lord. Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. There's the contrast. Don't get so hung up on the external that you forget about the inner person. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. She shall be praised. The only way, ladies and men, it's possible to live a life that descri- that's described in this passage is that you have to be dedicated and committed to the things of God. Ladies, you've got to put your heart and your, and your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you've got to pray that God will do all that he can do through you and become the woman that he wants you to be. Two things I challenge you with in closing. Number one, if you are a woman and you are challenged by what was said, you need to ask yourself some tough personal questions. Do these seven characteristics exemplify your life? If they don't and you fall short in any area, God is gracious. And all that he asks is that you confess any area that you're wrong before God and he'll forgive you from it. And he says, forsake it. Like the woman and committed in adultery, caught in adultery, he said, go and sin no more. Just turn from it and watch and pray lest you fall into temptation and ask God for the strength to be this kind of woman. I'll tell you one prayer that I prayed in my life that God always honors. When I tell God, God, you do anything you want with my life and I'll stay out of the way. That's a prayer that I'll always honor and he can do tremendous things through a person's life that's obedient and committed to doing what's right before God. Now for the men, here's a challenge. Many of us don't convey how we feel about our wives. We don't appreciate them. We don't appreciate them in ways that they want to be appreciated, which is basically we need to tell them. We tell them in ways like, look, you're still here, aren't you? It's just, you know, that, that, that isn't what they're looking for. You know what I mean? They, they, that's not it. Um, it you know, I feed you, don't I? You know, that kind of stuff doesn't work. Right, ladies? Amen? Thank you very much. Okay. But what are you looking for? You want to hear it. You want to be told. You want to demonstrate it. So, here's your homework, men. Sit down and write a poem. It doesn't have to rhyme. You know what? And buying flowers is easy. Yeah, yeah, just holding up the flowers. It's easy. Buying stuff's easy, isn't it? But I know ladies are going, yeah, I know, but don't discourage that. All right, I know there's a, there's a balance here. But sit down and write her a poem. All right? Now, I know in Hebrew it's easy. They only had 22 letters. We got 26 we got to deal with, but whatever. Or is that how many there are? Okay, good. Um, but sit down and write her a poem. It doesn't have to rhyme. Start with A. Hey, whatever. A, always. You're always there. Now, now don't use that one because she'll know you heard it here. All right? You know? Oh. Or, or B, you're beautiful. Or, you know, or C, you're kind. I mean, you know, she doesn't care whether you know how to spell or not. You know what I mean? You know, she's, that, she's not interested in the spelling. She's like, although, you know, if, if you're married to a school teacher, you might want to be very careful about this, you know. Have one of her kids correct this. But um, before you hand it in, she'll, you'll, she'll hand it back with big spelling things on it and stuff like that. Look, lady, hey, listen. 
listen, don't say, the you know, only reason you did this is because you heard it at the church. Well, gee, if you hear something at church, don't you think we should do those things? <laughs> I know, it's, it's a confusing thing. But, uh, you know, and not only that, but when you give her this poem, she, she, if she's a nag, she'll probably drop dead of a heart attack. So, look, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> you know, just kidding, just kidding. Look, you know, if I don't make fun of this, well, I'll be crying here and be weepy eye in a second. So, but the bottom line is, write her a poem. Sit down, and I challenge you to consider the woman that God has blessed you with and let her know how blessed you really are. Because if you've got a woman like this, let me tell you something, ladies. If you've got a woman like this, if you're a woman like this, no one has to tell your husband to praise you. No one has to tell your kids to praise you because they won't be able to say enough good things about you. Because if this is the kind of woman that you are, you'll be praised by your children, you'll be praised by your husband, and they'll praise you in the public square, man. They'll just shout it in the streets. And uh, every guy knows that if his wife became this woman, he'd be shouting, hallelujah, I can't wait to praise her. But you know what, guys? Make it a little easier on her and try to help her become that kind of woman by becoming the man that God wants you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to be together. Thank you that uh, we could have some fun, that we could uh, also learn some things that are very important. God, may we just continually, as men, pray for our wives and help them to be the kind of mothers and, and wives that you demand uh, help them to be kind of women that are pleasing before you god we all know that sometimes the hardest thing to be is something that uh, you ask us to be but isn't helped by the people who are around us or close in our life it's hard to be kind when you live with an unkind person it's hard to be faithful when you live with someone who's unfaithful it's hard to be supportive when you're criticized for your support and encouragement or even your discernment isn't listened to. God, we know all that, and so do you. But you still tell us that that's the standard that's set. And you tell us the way that it's the only way that it's possible for all of us to live this type of life is to be totally committed and dedicated to you and your word. God, help each of us to confess in areas that we're not right, to agree with you what you say is true, and to repent from it and be committed to doing the things that are pleasing and right in your sight. And we just thank you for our wives. We thank you for our moms and our grandmothers and all the women in our lives who have influenced us in a way that has led us closer to you. And we just praise you and praise them for it. In Christ's name, amen.